And welcome back to the Mouthpiece Podcast. That was me doing Whitney Houston, which you probably thought, like, where did they get the license to use Whitney Houston? We didn't. That's me singing. I know. Surprising. I'm so embarrassed. <laughs> Why? Because. That sounds amazing. It didn't. It will when your brother edits. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oh, Let's start off. No. Introduction. Oh, yeah, yeah. Of course. Of course. Of People course. People aren't going to know who you are. That's true. I mean, they should have listened to the last 11. Mm. Maybe you got new some, some new followers. Okay, this is Ezra Hernandez. This is the host of the podcast, the Mouthpiece Podcast. And I'm here with my co-host, Jade, the one and only, my partner in crime, Pacheco. Hey. <laughs> I, when I give you that whole thing, you just give me a hey. I gotta think of a better intro. Yeah, okay. Ever. Okay, okay, okay. Also, okay, real quick. Do you guys think it's theater or th- Theater. It's theater. No, it's theater. Like, I'm going to go to theater. But when you're acting and you're projecting, it's theater. No, then it's theater. <laughs> oh, there you go. A little English to it. Okay. Let's get past this. Sorry, I know. We've been debating all day. <laughs> okay. Let's get to a lot of boxing. You know what? I'm going to be honest with you. Like, the schedule has been insane. I I don't know if, like, people are just getting into, like, you're, like, baby, you've just been just barely beginning into boxing. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And you're probably thinking, like, Oh, there's five fights every weekend. Like, that's just no, what they I do. I kind of knew that it wasn't that common. You know what I mean? I oh, know that like well, since you've been telling me every week, I was thinking that earlier this... Well, actually in December, you told me uh, 2021 was going to be a huge year for boxing because there's just so many, especially I think you said within the first five months or something. Yeah, well, they're just making up for, I guess, like what happened last... What they missed out on last mm-hmm. year. But the schedule is insane for like boxing and MMA because MMA is just giving you a fight every weekend now. This their plan is like... They're just consistent. Like, every Saturday, there's going to be MMA fight. There's going to be UFC fight. And boxing's giving you, like, two to three fights a weekend. So, it's insane. Like, it's, you need multiple TVs. You're going to have to, like, sacrifice some that you're not seeing. It's It really is. It's insane schedule. I don't know how people are doing it. I know Jay's getting pissed at me on the weekend. Like, Why am I getting pissed? I don't know. It's just a lot of it. I, I just sometimes don't like, get pissed. You I don't. Fun. You don't. You enjoy it. But I know that people are at home and they're like, I'm trying to watch this fight. And I know their woman is just not having it. Or maybe well, a woman and their lucky. man is not having it. I don't know. I'm not trying to be sexist. I'm just saying either way. I know boxing fans are having a hard time with their spouse. Man nor woman. Wait, it doesn't matter. You're just, like, bypassing the fact that you got super lucky then. No, I'm, I, I agree. The fact that you want to watch, let me watch six hours of boxing is insane. I agree. This is a rare quality. <laughs> but, okay, so this weekend is really no different, right? You have, um, this, like I said, I always start off with the best fight, I believe. Uh, the best fight this weekend is Virgil Ortiz versus Maurice Hooker. It just is. It's the best fight. Hold on. Before you go any further, I actually have stats this Let's week. Let's go. Get so, some stats back on. For Virgil Ortiz Jr. All right. He's American from Dallas, Texas. This is going to be important later. <laughs> Uh, he's 5'10", weighs 147 pounds. He's 22 years old. Can't believe that. His reach is 72 inches. Wins 16, losses 0. Wins by knockout is going to be 16. Miscellaneous stuff. So he won the 2013 Junior Olympics. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Very top pro- Very yeah. good prospect. Yeah. Uh, Orthodox. And I think that's really it for him. For Maurice Hooker. Maurice Hooker. He's also American and from Dallas, Texas. So oh. They're both in the same place. And they're fighting in Dallas. Yeah, that's what I thought. So oh, I thought yeah. that was kind of cool. But anyways, he's 5'11". They're actually very close in size. So this is going to be really interesting. He's 5'11". He's, I didn't get his weight, but I figured you would know it. Uh, oh, it's a, well, he, okay, so interesting. He 
really his whole career has been at 140. He had one fight at 147, which he got a, a first round knockout. Um, and this is his second fight at 147. So he's moving up in weight. He had a hard time getting to 140. So this is his second fight where he's going to stay at 147. Okay. Uh, reaches 80. His wins 27. Losses 1. And uh, wins by knockout is 18. Nicknamed Mighty Mo. And he's orthodox. So, and the thing is, like, the one loss Maurice Hooker has is to Jose Ramirez, who is the best guy right now at 140, right? Who, like, if you say who's the number one guy who has the belts and everything, it's Jose Ramirez. So, his only loss is to the best, right? I think people are underselling Maurice Hooker as we're getting closer to this fight. I kind of get it because people, uh, as I scouted, like, the fight, I think Virgil Ortiz is going to win the fight. I'm, I'm pretty confident in it. But it's... Only because how good Virgil Ortiz is. It has nothing to do with Maurice Hooker. Maurice Hooker is a damn good fighter. And nothing's changed since he's lost to Jose Ramirez. He's still a damn good fighter. He just lost to a very, very good fighter. Um, Virgil Ortiz. Golden Boy has two prospects. Not prospects. I mean, I guess they're still prospects. But they have two guys that they're basing their whole promotion on. One is Virgil Ortiz. The other is Brian Garcia. And it's very hard to base your whole... Uh, promotion on two guys, but if you're going to do it, that's not a too bad two guys to have. Not a bad two guys to have. Uh, both Mexican American, uh, both extremely talented, um, both at very good weights that are very popular. And both young. Yeah, both young, both super young. So Virgil Ortiz, right? Uh, he's mean. He's calm. He's uh, tactical. He's uh, he's strategic. He's everything you want in a fighter. He's a, he's fast, hits hard, good movement, good balance. Uh, can he, he spins his opponents. He's compact movement. Nothing's wasted. Everything you want to see in a fighter, Virgil Ortiz has. He's, he really is a solid prospect. A lot of people are probably put, like, if you had to put your chips on one prospect, he'd be a very popular choice. And he's going in there with Maurice Hooker, who is one of those fighters, right? Like, if I, I'm watching Maurice Hooker, right? I could point out 10 things that I'm like saying, oh, I probably need to work on this, probably shouldn't do this, right? But because he's so long, right, because he punches so hard, he eliminates all the mistakes he makes, he can eliminate it. That's the beauty of boxing. If you just find one thing you're amazing at and you just apply that and you learn different ways to apply that, you can go far in this business. And Maurice Hooker's gone far with... To me, questionable balance, questionable leg movement, um, questionable defense. He's, he has a bunch of question marks. But because he hits hard, he's long, and he's fast, it makes up for everything. And this is a hell of a test for Virgil Ortiz. So Virgil Ortiz is trying to prove that he's a top guy at 147. There's no, To me, you could get a better opponent to try to prove that against his Maurice Hooker. Maurice Hooker is just proving he's at 147. Maurice Hooker has already you know, uh, had a claim to a belt. Um, it's, it's already proven that he's one of the top guys at 140. He's good. At 147, he's tough for anyone. You know what I mean? So I don't see a lot of people clamoring and say, I want to fight Maurice Hooker. Virgil Ortiz is doing that. And as we're getting closer to the fight, people are diminishing Maurice Hooker when, and kind of diminishing what Virgil Ortiz's victory will be. And I think Virgil Ortiz is going to win the fight. Um, but I don't think we should diminish it. I think it's a good fight and a good, uh, you know, really step up. And for him to say, I'm here now at 147 and in a future fight with Terrence Crawford, who is trained by the same trainer Maurice Hooker is trained with. Bomack and Bomack has has Maurice Hooker now a little more patient. You see, he's using his length way more consistently. 
Um, not trying to stay out of uh, heavy exchanges. Like when you get on the inside, Maurice Hooker will sometimes what he did with Jose Ramirez, he would try to exchange with you, and that's a bad move for him. He's too long, and he doesn't have the he doesn't have the the legs to really punch on the inside like that, where he doesn't leave himself wide open. So it's better to stay in the length. So if he could keep Virgil Ortiz on the length, this fight could get interesting. But Virgil Ortiz's legs are too good to stay in the length, and he turns people too good. And Maurice Hooker doesn't turn well. He doesn't turn well with opponents. He has bad legs. And I think that Virgil Ortiz is going to put himself in a position where Maurice Hooker has a hard time getting off. And when he turns him, he's going to get on the inside and he's going to make Maurice Hooker pay. Um, I'm starting a new thing. I want to write notes, right? Like I'm writing notes of like not just the style matchup, but just like what this could mean for their career, right? This is a no turning back fight for Virgil Ortiz. He wins this fight. It's all tough opponents going forward, right? Um, Is Virgil Ortiz, right? The, the one thing I say, maybe he has sometimes he has questionable defense. Sometimes he stays in there too long. Sometimes he wants the war. Can he avoid the war of Maurice Hooker? Because I think that would be very, very important to find out, right? Does he is he have the patience and the the mental strength to avoid the war? Um, what do you mean by that, though? Well, he's so talented, and so good that he's. Sometimes he gets in wars with guys just because he feels like he could blast them out of there. He just feels like he's better. But that puts him more susceptible. And as you get better competition, you're not going to want to take those chances. He takes those chances sometimes. So I want to see if he can fight a disciplined fight, look dominant, but not get avoid those big shots and uh, receiving on the being on the receiving end of big shots. I feel like every time I watch a boxing movie, it's like something relates to it. So you're talking about, okay, I don't think I understand what you mean, but is it kind of like <laughs> in Rocky when... When uh, Creed comes out and he's just like, just like trying to um, yes. basically like, attack him right away, and then he yeah, the, exactly like or or, or or Paulo is trying to look like uh, he's trying to make the fight entertaining. Mm-hmm. So he's like, I'm yeah, exactly. He's like, I'll go to war with this guy because he feels like he's so much better than Rocky. Right, right? and then he got knocked down and humbled. Exactly. But, okay. So that's what I'm saying. Virgil Ortiz can he avoid that? Not that I'm saying that he wants to make it more entertaining because it's Maurice Hooker, but sometimes in his mind frame, he just says like, Didn't I'm really in. Look more impressive. He just feels like I'm just in. I hit harder. I'm more tactical than him. I'm mm-hmm. going to stay in. And sometimes you got to know like when to take those chances. Mm-hmm. And Maurice Hooker's not a guy to take those chances with. If you stay in too long, Maurice Hooker, you might see the mat. So I want to see how disciplined he's, he's going to be. With Maurice Hooker, I want to know what Bo Mack, he, he looked good last fight with him. Is he going to consistent? Is he going to stay patient? Is he going to be able to keep people out of his reach? Is he going to stay a boxer, puncher? Um, the new weight, is it really a big improvement for him? Or was it just bad competition last time? Uh, you know, does he stay disciplined? And if he loses, right, is he eliminated as a contender? Because I think he could be. If he loses this fight... I think it's going to be hard for him to get those fights with those top guys. This is one of those fights where it's like kind of a crossroad fight. It's right. a Maurice Hooker will come become a, um, a you know, a, 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 what is that called? I'm trying to think of the word. I can't know. A gatekeeper. Is he going to become a gatekeeper where he, he just welcomes in all the prospects into the big time? Or is he going to make himself a legit contender mm-hmm. in this fight? That's, That's what we're going to find out. Uh, What's my, this one showing on? This one is going to be on DAZN. And I, I people... People hate on DAZN. I don't get it. DAZN is... Is DAZN the one that you can watch later? Yeah. It's the one you can watch whenever. Okay. It's You pay a monthly like Netflix and you don't have to pay for all these fights. You pay 10 bucks and you get all the fights. It doesn't make any sense that people hate on it. Uh, it's, it's the best deal for boxing. My prediction, Virgil Ortiz, just too much movement. He just moves circles around. Maurice Hooker never allows Maurice Hooker to set his feet to get off. And Maurice Hooker has a hard time. Once Virgil Ortiz gets on the inside and starts uh, bearing them to heavy shots to the head, I think uh, I think uh, Virgil Ortiz is going to get the stoppage in this fight. My counter, though, is Ortiz gets in exchanges. 
gets too confident in there. And Hooker keeps him at a distance and blasts him way at the distance and blasts Virgil Ortiz out the ring, stops the fight. And then you look for big things for Hooker, who can go to PBC now and have a, you know, have a big win under his thing. And PBC has a hundred, 147 pounders that he could fight. And it would just be, you know, you could fight Adrian Broner, you could fight Progress. There's a bunch of beautiful fights for him out there. So big fight. A uh, lot on the line. Let's see if Virgil Ortiz becomes the star that we think he could be, or let's see Maurice Hooker is the star that we once thought he was, and people are now kind of diminishing his light. Let's go to the next fight. Arthur, not Arthur, Arthur Birtebev. And I know I'm butchering his name. I know that. Arthur Birtebev. Okay. Um, versus Adam Dianz. Dianz? I would say Dianz. Right, and uh, do you have stats on Arthur Birtebev? Yes, I do. So he is Russian-Canadian. Uh, he is six foot, exactly. Uh, I don't have a weight on him. I couldn't find an exact weight. He's but... about 173 pounds, 175 okay. pounds. So, yeah, uh, okay, so 173 pounds. Age, he's 36, his reach is 73, wins 15, losses 0, wins by knockout 15. He's currently the champ at 173 and heavyweight. Um, light heavyweight. Light heavyweight. Oh, yeah, 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 light heavyweight. Whoops. Um, Adam. Diens? Diens. He's originally, this is kind of cool, he's originally from Russia, but he moved to Germany. Okay, okay. But anyways, he's 5'11". So they're super close in their stats, too. It's crazy. But he's 5'11", 175 pounds. He's 30 years old, reaches 71 and a half. Wins is 19, losses 1, wins by knockout is 10, and 1 draw. He's southpaw, and he's also the light a light heavyweight. So you said Adam was from Russia and then moved to Germany? Mm-hmm. He's the most German human being I've ever seen. Looking Herman Bean. That's actually crazy. So he's actually from Herman. Russia. Huh? You said Herman what do you mean, Herman? Because you, you said... Oh, I didn't say German. I said Herman. Because you said you were trying to say German human being, but you said Herman. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, who's Herman? <laughs> oh, that was a good one. You haven't been able to talk these last couple of days. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I host a podcast where I just talk. Okay. So, Arthur Beertabith, who is... A possible future Canelo opponent, and at really from, at his weight. Yeah, from one sixty seven to one seventy three, everyone is open to Canelo. It's basically a Canelo sweepstakes. Wait, how much does Canelo weigh? Canelo fights on one sixty seven. Oh, that's right, that's right. I don't know why I thought he was much smaller. Well, he started at one fifty four, mm-hmm. went to one sixty. Now he's at one sixty seven. People thought that'd be too big for him. Now he's the best guy in the world at that weight, and he went to one seventy three, beat a champ. And then said that weight's a little too big for him, but he's still open to the idea. Um, Wait, so then when you boxed, how come you went down so low? Because I could. You're going to get low as you possibly can. Why? Because it feels like there's an advantage to it. Like, if you're a bigger guy, but you want to get to the lowest weight you can possibly get, so you can fight smaller people. Or you could fight... Because you got to think, okay, so if I'm... Say I walk around... At that point, I walked around probably like 175 pounds, mm-hmm. right? Cut 20 pounds to 155. But you got to think if I went to 165, well, there's someone cutting from 185 to 165. But so, doesn't that make you a little more weak? Um, 
tech, it just depends how you do it. Some guys are really good at weight cuts, and by the time they get to the ring, they go out 20 pounds overnight, and they're strong as oh, ever. Oh, like who? Who did that? Canelo does. I mean, Canelo like did that 154. 16 pounds in like one day. Um, Burchell. Burchell oh, gained right, like right. 17 pounds over his weight. So right. some guys do it better than others. Um, yeah, it just depends. It's all just trying to get an advantage. Canelo feels like now he fights at his natural weight. He doesn't really have to cut that much. So he's like 160 natural natural weight? Oh, he well, Canelo probably walks around like 180. 180? 185, okay. 190. And cuts to 167. And he feels comfortable at that weight. Uh, Is he short? Canelo's like 5'8", probably 5'9". Oh, so he's short. I would think so, yeah. I mean, I guess, to me, I mean... I mean, that's short. <laughs> I mean, you're breaking a lot of men's heart right here with the 5'8", 5'9", thing. Well, I'm 5'6", so that's short. Yeah, so... But, okay, so Canelo, right? These are all... Everybody's in the Canelo sweepstakes. Okay. And what... What you have to do, right, is at 167, 173, you got to capture the imagination of people that say, this guy could probably beat Canelo. That's what your whole goal is to do, mm-hmm. is create an imagination and a want and a need from the people that would pay money to say, I think this guy might have a chance at Canelo. Beard to Biv, Beard to Biv, I think that's his name, I don't know, Archer, is a guy that maybe could capture that because he's so big and he hits so hard and he comes forward. And if you know that he fights Canelo, it's going to be entertaining. At the least, it's going to be entertaining. And he's so dominant in his weight class that he's a, a guy that maybe can capture the imagination of people. Right? He, he might be able to do that. He's fighting Adam Dennings, who is questionable whether he deserves his title shot or not. He, The guy that probably does have visa issues and he was sick. Who knows? But Adam's here, right? And he's a, he's a tune-up fight. But... Maybe he could make it interesting. And the part where I, I see that he could make it interesting is he's a southpaw. And Beardbev has a hard time when people get around his front left foot. And what do southpaws do? They have a outside, they have a, the same the mirror image that his right foot is going to be right with his left foot. And he's going to get on the outside. And Beardbev, and, I mean, sorry, Adam likes to box. He's more of a boxer. He's going to want to keep the distance. He's going to want to work around in circles. And if he goes around the circle and starts uh, making Archer chase him, he might be able to have him walk into shots. Archer's an aggressive fighter. He's going to come forward. He's going to uh, punch you with either hand. He likes to leap with his jab. He's always looking to get in. But he doesn't work well off of your offense. He works well off his own. He got to get the ball rolling. And he doesn't work going backwards. But I don't think Adam's going to be able to push him backwards. I think he's going to be more of a movement. And I think that Archer has questionable leg movement. I think he has questionable angles. Uh, I think he kind of follows. I don't think he really cuts off the ring. But I think that he's... Well, the one thing is he hits so hard. He He's very patient with his pressure, but it's a constant pressure. And he allows his pressure to break you without punches, which is movement. With him just being on you, the pressure breaks you. And that's what he's going to plan on this fight. And Adam's going to move, and he's going to look to punch from a distance. But the only problem with Adam is he doesn't switch up the speed of his punches. And they're a little bit wide, and they're a little bit readable. And I think that he will get hit in between his shots, and Archer will eventually catch him, probably third or fourth round, drop him, and then go in for the kill. But if Adams can maybe get a few rounds in and start getting Archer to chase him and chase him, get a little frustrated and go and walk into shots, there is a key. There is an opening there from possible victory. It could turn to an interesting fight. What I predict happens is Archer starts the first few rounds, sees what he's doing, and then the shots are that are so wide and so predictable and the same ones constant and the same speed. He punches in between and he drops the knees and it co- and looks to end the fight around the fifth, sixth round. Um, let's see the notes I have for this fight, right? It's a day busy fight. Um, the next fight, it's a setup fight for Joe Smith fight that Joe Smith has an opponent. That I'm not even sure he's going to beat. Uh, like I say, he's a possible Canelo opponent. And the whole point of this is, can he look impressive and can he capture the imagination of the boxing fans? 
for Adam. Never proven at this level. Very weak competition. Uh, probably biggest opportunity he will ever get in his career. And I say that, then, I don't know, the mandatory's work. You might see him fight for a world title, like, in a year from now. Um, and could he be the first guy to maybe not even just get a win, to get to a decision? Because Archer has ended all his fights by stoppage. Can he get to a decision? I think that maybe he can make a real run for his money on that decision part. Um, and that'll be interesting with, you know, bet-wise, if you could just bet this fight a decision. Because I guarantee that those odds are pretty damn good. Let's go to the next fight, right? Oh, did I say prediction? Yeah. Prediction is... Uh, Beardbev, you know, uh, punches in between the shots that are predictable and knocks him out. I would say around sixth to seventh round stoppage. Uh, the counter, Denise the southpaw, gets to moving, gets to circling, and Beardbev chases him all night and can't seem to get it. And uh, Adam steals a de- steals a decision, which is leg movement and constantly being on the outside. Next fight, nice Lawrence Akoli versus Kristoff. Golaki. Okay, so for how do you say it, Lawrence Okoli? Okoli. I guess he's British. He's six five. He's a giant. I don't have his weight though. His weights were hard to find today, so I don't have his weight. But uh, he's about a hundred. I think they're about in the hundred nineties. Okay, I said cruiser weight. Yeah, like one ninety. Okay, uh, he's twenty eight. His reach is 82 and a half mm-hmm. long. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has 15 wins, zero losses, and 12 wins by knockout. So I guess he used to be a heavyweight, nicknamed the Sauce, and he's orthodox. <laughs> um, and then his opponent, Christoph Glow. Glowacki. Okay. <laughs> that. Uh, I just don't want to butcher. <laughs> no, I get you. He's Polish. He's six feet. I didn't have his weight either. It's the same. Okay. Uh, he's 34. His reach is 75 inches, which I thought was going to be kind of interesting. It's going to be very, mm-hmm. very interesting to see. That's probably the key part of the matchup. Uh, wins 31, two losses, and wins by knockout or 19. Uh, miscellaneous things. So he started boxing when he was 13, but like junior junior level, like junior professional. Oh, amateur. Yeah, uh, yeah. But uh, yeah, cruiserweight, and he loves Mike Tyson. <laughs> and, uh, that, that makes sense kind of with the style. Um, this fight, like just odds-wise, like Okoli is uh, favored pretty big. It makes zero sense to me. Uh, Okoli's nickname is The Sauce. Mm-hmm. His style, he has zero sauce. He has no sauce. What do you mean? He is a very basic, straightforward fighter. He doesn't have any flavor to his punches, no flavor to his style. He's not fun to look at. He's not fun to watch. But haven't you ever heard that expression, lost in the sauce? Yeah, lost in the sauce means that you have sauce to give someone. That you look like, yeah, you're a little flashy. Everything you do has a little charisma to it. He got a little something to him. This guy doesn't have that. He doesn't have that. He's a real straightforward robot, robotic fighter. Mm-hmm. And if you heard that pause right now, it's because I burped. Inside, because yeah, I don't want you to hear it in my face. And I apologize for that, but that's just that's the that's the game. Story of my that's life. the game of co-hosting. Oh my gosh, that's the, these people are like, oh god, like this is what it's like. We're so annoying, and like this is just us on a regular basis. Yeah, this is us holding back. I really feel like, but uh, okay. So Okoli has no sauce. Like he is really everything that's 
about him that's like positive it has to do with his physical frame, his physical size. He's 6'5", wide frame, long arms, uh, punches from a distance. He has zero inside fighting skills. I mean, absolutely zero. He's just going to punch and hold. That's what he's well, going to look to do. Maybe he's never had to have him. Maybe you know? not. Yeah, because maybe not. so long and so big. Like Maybe not, but at this level... I'm assuming you're going to have to have them. Not assuming. I know you're going to have to have them. I don't know a fighter. I mean, maybe the Klitschko's, but the Klitschko's were sneaky good inside. He's not the Klitschko's, okay? He's also not fighting a heavyweight. He's fighting that light heavyweight where guys can do a lot more. They're not big, you know, they're not like stumbling along. These are uh, athletic human beings. And uh, he's basically going to count on a one-two punch and grab and hold. This is what he's going to do. His defense is the distance. He doesn't move his head much. He's got a very amateurish style. It's a style that works well to win gold medals, but I don't know if it works well to win world titles. And Glacky is a proven fighter. He's a proven world championship level fighter. Now, sure, he has two losses. Um, his losses are against uh, very good, credible opponents, world-class opponents. I don't think Okali o- 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 is a cl- world-class opponent. And I think Glacky is. I don't think Glacky's done, even though he's coming off a KO loss. I know Glacky could do a lot of things. He's very subtle with his defense, very subtle with his offense. He's very aggressive. The one thing he doesn't have is the great, greatest footwork in the world. And maybe uh, Okali's deep, uh, long reach benefits from that but he's very sneaky he could find ways in he has a lot of tricks he punches well on the inside and i think that's good's gonna give lawrence the most the most trouble is the punching on the inside he works on the inside and if he works on the inside lawrence is not gonna have no answer for that he's just not he's not gonna have an answer for that i think i can't believe that galaki is such an underdog in this fight bet galaki huge i'm betting galaki huge with my fake money but my real bets and uh you know notes on this fight is can uh, Okali take it to another level are the are his management and are the odds makers seeing something that I'm not seeing is he have another level to take it to is he going to have new weapons um, I don't know I think it I think it might be a little interesting with that reach and the height difference I think it, I think it could um, I don't know one's obviously going to shine more than the other but I think it could add an interesting show well Lawrence is going to need that I mean if that's going to have to show because that's really what he's bringing to the table and a Galaki's bringing them numerous weapons to the table. Yeah. So this reach and the of uh, this reach better be super effective because if not, then Galaki's going to run right through him. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, on this one, I'm predicting Galaki gets on the inside. He finds one on the inside and he works. And Okoli's going to try to hold, try to make it ugly, and I just don't think it's going to work. And I think Galaki's going to put a beating to him. I think Galaki's going to get a stoppage. He's pretty, you know, Okoli's uh, pretty big, may survive late, but I pick Galaki in a late. Late stoppage, right? Uh, my counter, the size is effective, and Galaki hit and um, Okali hits hard, so the size and that keeps Galaki back, and we see a fight where it's a distance game, boring fight, but he keeps it, you know, keeps the distance, gets a, a rise out decision, and Okali is at that level, a level that I didn't, I'm not really seeing, but sometimes a fighter gets increased with the level of talent he's fighting. Good. Yeah. Okay. Next one, going to the UFC. And the UFC's, maybe one of their top prospects in the world is looking to take a step-up fight, and that is Kevin Holland versus Derek Brunson. Do you have any stats on Kevin Holland or Derek Brunson? Yes, I do. So, Kevin Holland, American. He's from Riverside, California. Is he really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, He's 6'3". He weighs 185 pounds. He's 28 he his reach is eighty one inches. Wins in kickboxing three, one loss and one or two wins by knockout. 
in MMA, 21 wins, 5 losses, and 11 knockouts. Miscellaneous things, he has two nicknames, Trailblazer and Big Mouth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, he's a second-degree black belt. Uh, wow, I didn't even write in what. Uh, but then he's also, I think it's uh, in Taekwondo. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, oops. And then he was is a black belt in Jiu-Jitsu also. Okay, cool. Well, how so about I Derek, that was interesting. Derek Brunson? Derek Brunson, he's from North Carolina, so both American. He's 6'1. They're actually very close in their stats, too. Uh, he's 6'1, 186 pounds. He's 37. Uh, his reach is 77 inches. Uh, he has an MMA, 21 wins, 7 losses, and 12 wins by knockout southpaw. And he's a brown belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. So Derek Brunson has been a gatekeeper in MMA. Do you know what a gatekeeper is? I, I don't, but I think I understand from what you're explaining or what you, the way you've been using it is just kind of like you have to get through that person to get to the other guys yes. right okay. and Derek Brunson has been the gatekeeper for Izzy for a lot of good guys for middleweight right. for middleweight he's been the gatekeeper but he I don't think Derek Brunson sees himself as a gatekeeper and I think that he thinks that he is the an elite level fighter and lately he's been on three fight win streak no questionable competition i will say but maybe he turned it around and um an example someone like this would be michael bisping michael bisping was not considered a contender for a world title um every time he got to that level he got destroyed and then late in his career he gets a win in a brandishing silva he gets a title shot against luke rockhold a late replacement and he knocks out luke rockhold for the world title right it, it can happen if we, for some reason, guys get hot, they figure something out with their style and they apply it and then they just get a hot streak and they could end up being world champ. Derek Brunson's looking for that kind of run. He's on a three-fight win streak. This is being knocked out by Izzy. Um, he's he's beating some prospects. Uh, he's got he's, you know he's got a new camp. He he's looking for all these things. He's a more patient game. He's still aggressive. Still makes some mistakes, but his his strikes are still. He's still not afraid to strike. He's still. Is very uh, random with his strikes. Where you, what you think he's gonna do, he doesn't do. He's still very free with his right kick. You, um, he, he's just not his right. I'm sorry, his left, his left kick. He's a southpaw, um, and he's, he's just he's kind of awkward. He's kind of strong. He's kind of aggressive. He's all these things that can be problems if you're coming up, and you're used to fighting certain guys at a certain level, right? And you get this, and it's too much to handle, and you don't know all the tricks yet. He can beat you. And Kevin Holland is just one of the most exciting prospects in MMA, right? Um, he's got an interesting personality. Now, they call him Big Mouth. You know why they call him Big Mouth? Why? Because Dana White, he won a contender series, which is like a tryout to be in mm-hmm. the UFC. He won. And Dana White didn't sign him because he said he talked too much. Now, I'm no promoter, right? But I would say a fighter talking a lot is not a problem. It's actually usually a pro, right. not a con. But for some reason, Dana White came home and talked too much. Call it what you may. You could fill in the blanks there, what I think of that. But Kevin Holland is a top prospect. He talks a lot. He's entertaining. He just did the JRE podcast, and he was very entertaining on that. And the thing is that what Kevin Holland is so good at, right, is he's just a natural talent. He's naturally strong. He's long. He's a very good striker. He's very good on the ground. His jiu-jitsu is good along with the striking while doing jiu-jitsu, which is like the little things that you, you kind of forget to add up together, right? 
He goes to the ground with Jacare. He throws up like three submissions, but he's also hitting him while on the back, which causes Jacare to pause. Uh, Jacare to pause, who's a great, Jacare's one of the best jiu-jitsu guys in MMA, because he's getting hit. So it's a different element to the ground game, right? And Cameron Holland's very confident. He's, you know, he's been defeated before, but he's just super confident. He's super confident. So he's willing to try anything. He's, mm-hmm. he's, uh, he could kill you on the ground. He could kill you on the stand-up. He hits really hard. One thing that I would say to watch is his legs is he's very good at adjusting his his stances. He can go from a wide karate stance to a more squared uh, more squared up stance to a boxing stance. He switches his legs very well. It might be something that he doesn't even realize he does. It's, that makes sense with his background, though. Yeah, right? It doesn't make sense with taekwondo yeah, and everything like that. Yeah, he, yeah. He's, he's constantly changing his stances. That's why he can punch you from every spot. When it's, most fighters... Uh, have to be in a certain stance to get their strikes off or they'll be off balance. He's very balanced. He's very aggressive. He's tried a bunch of things. And I just think in this fight, he's going to shine, which is going to be and put himself in a title contention pretty soon. Uh, it, to me, he's one of the most interesting guys to fight, Izzy Adesanya, because the things he can do and the stand-up, what Izzy's had a problem with is just kind of basic stand-up, right? Basic boxing. And Kim Holland has some good basic boxing. I think he's a very interesting fight. It's very hard, and let's see if he can get past that level. It's a, it's a, it's a battle of a gatekeeper trying to be a, a contender and a prospect trying to pass to uh, the gatekeeper to become a contender. It's a great fight, crossroad fight. Let's see what Brunson has. Let's see what Kevin Holland has. Um, I expect Kevin Holland to really take this fight everywhere and be dominant. I expect him to be on his back at one point. And I expect him to look good at the off his back, be dominant there, get standing, and get the finish off of Derek Brunson's, uh, you know, bad movement. I, honestly, Derek Brunson has makes a lot of defensive mistakes. He gets off balance. He puts his head in the wrong spot. And I expect Kevin Holland to get a big finish here, big KO. Um, the counter to that would be Brunson's experience and just randomness and being able to take you down, punch you standing up, and just rough you up and just throw these guys off their game. And when he does that and he hits really hard, he can really take you out of it. And then suddenly you're in a fight, right? In the main event, you're three rounds in and you're down three rounds. And you're like, I got to get the energy back on this guy. And Brunson is just... He's feeling good. He's ready to go. He's a veteran. He's not going to tire out. You know what he's bringing. He's a professional. So let's see. Let's see if Derek Brunson can shake gatekeeper and let's see if Ken Holland can shake prospect because you're going to be a prospect for so long and you take your chance and this is where you find out so this is an exciting fight I love this fight and I love Kevin Holland so I'm actually not that big into UFC but when I was looking this up it kind of made me excited mm-hmm. Kevin <laughs> Holland has that ability to do that so let's get to my fake money real bets we're at 830 yeah. 836k I'm on my way back to a mill mm-hmm. right we started at a mill we're at 836 right mm-hmm. we were at 1.2 Drops to seven point something, seven thousand, seven hundred thousand. Now we're going. We're at eight hundred thirty six from last week wins. Mm, so okay. This week. What's up? What do you What do you got for me? Virgil Ortiz over Maurice Hooker minus one thousand. I'm gonna bet two hundred k on that. That's only gonna win me twenty k. But I feel really good about Virgil Ortiz. Okay. Virgil Ortiz by KLTKO or DQ fifty k bet wins me eighteen k. All these come together. I'm gonna win thirty eight k. Not bad. Right, mm-hmm. Galaki over Okali. I told you the odds are insane on this. I for some reason I did not write down the odds here. That really pisses me off. But I got Galaki 100k bet. That'll win me 285k. I'm really confident on Galaki over Okali. 100k bet wins me doubles more than doubles my money. No. 100k bet. I win 100. No, it doesn't. Yeah, it doubles. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. doubles my money. Yeah. More than doubles my money. 
uh, Beer to Biv over Deneens. It's a, he, he's a big favorite. I'm going to bet 200K to only win 10K. But why? Because I like free money. But on who? On Beard Biff. Okay. Or I'm betting him over Adam. Oh, okay. okay. And uh, it's 200K to only win 10,000. So I'm risking 200,000 to only win 10,000. Why are you doing that, Ezra? Because I like free money. It's pretty <laughs> good. I, I'm, I'm weird like that. Kevin Hollins over Brunson. 280K bet. I'm going to win 155K. That's good odds for Kevin Holland over Derek Brunson, who Derek Brunson has never beat anyone at an elite level. And Kevin Holland could be elite level. I love that bet. I'm also going to parlay all these. 6K on all these guys to win it. A parlay is I bet all the guys together and they all have to hit. Right? I'm not betting the Ortiz KO. You can't parlay up uh, that bet. But just straight up, these ones, that is 6K to win 35K. This would put me back at over a million dollars if I hit on all these. That's where I want to be. I want to be with the big boys. I want to be at the big boys table. I want to put my big boys pants on. Anything else to add? Cut. <laughs> Done. I'm just, I'm just bringing... Also, yes, I do have something else to add to this. So this like just hit me within the last five minutes. And it goes back to theater and theater. But you know how you said when you're talking about the theater, it's theater... Your argument last time I roasted you about that was it's theater straight around. So that came into my head right now, and I just really wanted to tell you that. What do you mean? You never had a difference between theater and theater. Like, you always said theater. But in the beginning, you said, like, oh, if you're going to the theater, it's theater. Yeah, but you're acting, it's theater. So you changed it. Yes. No. What? Oh, so you're saying I used to say theater even for acting. Theater. For all the time. Oh, like I'm going to the theater. Yes. Well, it's a proper way of speaking. No, it's not. I think it is. No, it's not. We agree to disagree. And that's the way this podcast ends. Oh, God. Now you guys have got a glimpse into our everyday life. Anger and turmoil. It's <laughs> the best life you've ever had. <laughs> this has been the Mouthpiece Podcast. Bye.